You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour three, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, bottom of the hour. Our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. It's a juicy Thursday nighter tonight. Ravens and Bengals from Charm City. And Matty, will he continue his what? That's what Baltimore's called, Charm City. Charm City. Yeah. Didn't know that. This More you know. Sir, I like to teach you things. Queen City is Cincinnati. Is it? And Almost Charlotte. I don't know, I don't know why. Also and Regina. A lot, a lot of Queen, of Queen cities. cities. Yeah. Uh, our next guest, uh, former NHL goaltender. <laughs> NHL My on fact Sports wasn't as analyst. good as yours, I guess, then. <laughs> no. Uh, Matt's dumb. Um, <laughs> on the Atlas Pizza and Sportsbook, I guess, Holland, we say good morning to uh, Mr. Greg Millen. Hello, sir. How are you? Good morning, George. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Uh, Good. Wanted to ask you a quick question here, Greg. Um, We talked about the city of Ottawa being dubbed a great place to take a nap as maybe one of the least exciting cities in the country. What was your least favorite road city when you played in the NHL? I heard you guys with this one. I'm not going to go there. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna, you know, it was know. Buffalo, York, wasn't it? The, was it Buffalo? The day, the new, back, back in the, no, not really. Back in the day when you played in, in the New York Islanders, it was in the middle of a parking lot, and the hotel Marriott was in the same parking lot. So that wasn't very much fun uh, back in the day. Today's world, you know what? Hmm. You get around to these cities now, and there's there's a lot of fun. You can find great restaurants and all of them now. I like to run. Normally, there's good runs now in these downtown hmm. areas across North America. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to my run down the river in Calgary this weekend. Nice. One of my favorites. So, it'll uh, be fun. How yeah. is the nightlife in Hartford? Uh, yeah. Well, you know... <laughs> The whale. One of the problems with the whale is we, we didn't win a lot of games, which didn't help. But mm. uh, I can tell you one thing about Hartford. The the outskirts are beautiful. Mm. Uh, the downtown uh, wasn't great. Uh, there was a, an old steakhouse there. Ronnie Francis talks about this a lot, that there was a, there was a steakhouse downtown that we all used. It was handy because it was in the mall where the rink was. So we all used to go to lunch all the time there after practice and the wives often came after games and we'd, we'd eat there. And I think, you know, not so much when I was there because the goaltending was brutal, but once Mike Liute got there and it became much better when he, and they traded for Looney for me, uh, their success, I think had a lot to do with that, that the team was together a lot in that city because there wasn't much else to do. Uh, Greg, the best sweater in the history of the NHL, the Hartford Whalers. I got a couple in the basement. Uh, they're pretty cool, for sure. I know they're getting a lot of love now. They didn't when I wore them because we only had, you know, I don't know how many points, not many. We were in the cellar. So <laughs> they didn't get a lot of love when I played, but, uh, yeah, they're kind of cool. You see, sure. the, you see the visuals of the Cooperalls with the uh, Hurricanes that they're going to bring back for, I think, just the warm-ups in one of their games? Yeah, it better be just the warm-ups because somebody might get hurt with those babies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. It's, uh, hey. Good, good marketing. Good on them to bring them back. A lot, of, a little bit of fun. So why not? Three-game road trip completed for the Calgary Flames. They win one, they lose one, they lose another one in overtime. What did you make of the trip as a whole that was kind of overshadowed by a whole bunch of off-the-ice questions as well? Yeah, the off-ice stuff is really unfortunate because I think the team has been playing uh, much much better as a group. I mean, I don't think we've ever questioned their work ethic throughout the start of the year. We've questioned a lot of their giveaways and their defensive structure. Part of that, and a lot of that is a new coach implementing a new defensive zone structure. And uh, Ryan Huska 
I think has done a really good job keeping the ship together with all the distractions for sure and the free agent stuff going on and, and so on. I did think that the road trip was, you know, very successful. You walk into Toronto and I mean, I'm not a shootout fan, so it feels like a loss after that, but they played a heck of a hockey game in there, came back. Uh, the Ottawa game, I, you know, the positive with, for me was, was the way Wolf played. I thought he was steady. I he looks like an NHL goalie. Um, it looks like they didn't have a lot in the tank that night. Then they go to Montreal and, you know, you wonder, you got a couple of too many days off in Montreal. Oh, that's going to look. Obviously the boys looked after themselves and good on them or played guilty one or the other. But, uh, you know, Markstrom was outstanding, number one. But I am noticing now that the patience in their own zone is coming. You know, they're not chasing as much. And, and if you think about it, you know, you go from a man-on-man where you're running all over the place chasing to now a zone structure where you have to be patient and lay, leave players to the outside and let them stay there. I think they're starting to catch on a little more of their assignments defensively, even though Markstrom, of course, was outstanding. And we are seeing less giveaways. We're still seeing them, but uh, I think I haven't charted it, but I would assume that they're down compared to where they were uh, earlier in the year. So, you know, a pretty good road trip, really. And, you know, it should have really had, you know, if you think about it, uh, that darn over uh, shootout, but, you know, an overtime stuff, but they, uh, they, they play pretty well. Um, when, Greg, when you say Dustin Wolf looks like an NHL goaltender, what are some of the things you're looking for? Positional play, poise, uh, which he has both. Uh, you know, he's not a big man, so he's going to have to be almost perfect technically. And uh, he's got the speed, so that's not an issue. And uh, for me so far, and, and again, I mean, it's it's you have to have a, a sample of work, and a couple of games isn't enough. But, you know, you, 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 like, you like his success. You like the way he conducts himself. Uh, I don't know the young man, but apparently he's a wonderful kid with great work ethic. So, you know, he checks a lot of boxes. And uh, I really like his... Uh, his control in the net, which is what he's going to have to have. And his anticipation as well, a little bit of hockey sense, he'll have to have that playing at his size. And, uh, you know, so far so good. I wonder if we're going to see more instances like this past weekend where the Flames call up Dustin Wolf just to give Jacob Markstrom a, a day, a little bit of a maintenance break. Did you like how that worked over the course of the uh, three games over five days, bringing him up, giving him an NHL game. He goes back down because he doesn't have to do waivers. Everyone gets a break. Did you like how that laid out for the goalies? Well, it's not a bad way to find out what you've got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with Dustin to begin with. And, and secondly, clearly uh, the management team has decided, you know, and I'm sure they have numbers on this, is that uh, Markstrom needs to play less. And, you know, he's banged up a bit too, obviously. He had to be, but in saying that, it's almost like they have a plan. They're saying, okay, 60 is too many, 66 is too many. You know, maybe we need to get him into the 50 area, and 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 he's better that way. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me to back that up, but you know the coaching the coaching staff does, and I would assume that's uh, – it certainly looks that way anyway. That's the way they want to go with Jacob. Connor's Aries come up and had a lot of success, but what about the surprise, perhaps, that Martin Pospisil has been? Yeah, good, good, hard player. You know, has some spunk. Goes to the net. Uh, you like this right now, and and, and Dewar, I, I'm a big fan. I know he's had a bit of a tough start, but you know, you you love the fact that these kids have had success in the American League level, and now they're coming up and playing at the National Hockey League level and doing the same thing. And you look back uh, not so long ago to the Tampa Bay Lightning model. And how many of those players won championships in the American League and then came up and became a, a, 
a very successful story in Tampa Bay. So I, I think they're building something special in Calgary. I know there's been some tough times, and but for me, that's a real positive because if you can start promoting within, drafting properly, and having a really good American Hockey League program where you're promoting players from it, not every team in the NHL can say that. In fact, a lot can't. So this is a real positive for me and a credit to the scouting staff and the development folks uh, that are bringing these kids along. And it's been really encouraging to watch Nazem Kadri play with them as well. Like it, it feels like he's got a little bit more life in his game. And, and I think if you're a Flames fan, knowing that he's going to be here for a while and the kids are obviously going to be here for a while, that's encouraging. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've watched Nazi a long time. I mean, when I used to cover the Leafs, he was in Toronto. So, I, you know, I watched him grow as an athlete, mature as a young man, got a family now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been fun to watch. And I think he's really embracing this leadership role with these two younger players. I also think that they're driving him a little bit because they've got some speed, mm-hmm. uh, particularly Zary, which I think Nazem needs to have with him. He made a comment yesterday about them getting in the open for him. And I think that's, you know, basically because they can drive the offense a little bit, both of them and have some speed to go with it. So I asked him that actually uh, the last uh, trip. And I said, you know, Naz, are you enjoying the speed? Uh, Who did you play with in Colorado? And he named some players and he said, yeah, I got moved around. I said, well, where were they quick? He said, everybody was quick in Colorado. So, you know, that helped his game. And not that he's slow, but he needs drivers with him. And I think this has really helped him uh, both uh, from a standpoint of helping young players and embracing that, but also just, you know, from a straight playing standpoint. Uh, Greg, there's a school of thought out there that Jonathan Huberto needs somebody with speed to play with. Do you buy that? Yep, I do. I do. I, I think that he, he's a turnback player. Looks for, you know, he looks for late defensemen. I mean, he, the Flames, would I know, love to have a an offensive guy that joins a little more. They're getting some of it, you know, with Anderson, they're getting some of it with Hannafin. I think they'd have like to have a little more of it on the power play as well. Uh, that's a wish list that's not easy to get, but that would help him. And then, you know, a center iceman with, you know, I mean, <laughs> one that left us <laughs> would be one that I come mm. to mind, but somebody that, somebody that, uh, you know, is creative that has some speed that backs off the fence because of the skill level. I think then, you know, Jonathan could then, you know, find people with the beautiful passing that he likes to do and turn back a little bit and find the late man. So, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of an issue there. Uh, I don't think you can build a hockey team around a player. However, because you have this player locked up and chances are he's not going anywhere based on the contract you've given him, uh, you have to think about it for sure. Jonathan Huberto continues to be a very interesting and polarizing player here. Who have you liked playing with him, if anybody, and what might be the next step here for the Flames with this player? Next step is he has to do it himself. Yeah. Uh, they've tried, you know, everything. And I think, you know, he's come. What I liked about Jonathan, and I said this on the air, and I, and I was very sincere about it, the way he stepped up and didn't blame anybody after the benching except himself mm-hmm. and, and owned it. It tells me a lot about, about Jonathan. I, I don't know him personally until this year, and I've gotten to know him a little more. But the character that he displayed there is, is really encouraging for me. Not every athlete in today's world does that, and I think he deserves a lot of, a lot of credit for that. The other thing that I found very interesting that he owned, and it kind of got slipped through and nobody really picked up on it, but it it caught my ear a little bit, was the fact that he said, you know, when you're trying 
things aren't going well and you're trying hard, you tend to make plays you shouldn't make. He didn't say, and I'm paraphrasing because he didn't say it exactly like that, but you tend to make plays, force plays, or however he said it. That was the, that's how what he meant. And, you know, it's interesting that he, he is observing that. And, and obviously, you know, he, he's not seeing the ice like he normally does. Uh, there's no question. And I don't have an answer. Shoot, nobody has an answer right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Jonathan doesn't have an answer. But uh, I do know that uh, everybody in Calgary, including himself, more so than anybody, would like to, to see him uh, get going a little more. And I think maybe we're asking too much. Maybe the expectations are too high for this player. That's possible. Mm. But uh, I think that it's fair to say that he has to produce more than he has. Uh, Greg Millen, NHL on Sportsnet, former National Hockey League goaltender, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose, 960, the fan. How surprising is it that things haven't worked between him and Lindholm? Yeah, I mean, for me, Lindholm has just started to come on the last couple of games, uh, more so again. Uh, when he's really going, uh, you know, I see him catching players from behind and lifting their sticks, going the other way, and that wonderful defensive work that he does that creates offense. I hadn't didn't see it early in the year, and you know, playing out your option or having a last year of a contract can affect players in so many different ways. I did it myself, so I'm pretty familiar with it, albeit years ago. But I think mentally it's the same. Like you're either, you know, you got a real burr and you're and you're going to have a spectacular year and show everybody, or you know, you're an emotional guy and it kind of bothers you and you're you're worried about it and your family's worried about it and you hear about it at home and and you're on edge, and you're not quite settled. And it's one or the other uh, for me. And it's never usually easy either way because, you know, you're looking at probably turning down a lot of money. Uh, You're wondering if it's the right decision. Uh, What if uh, you're taking a gamble? So these are all things that go through players' minds. And I think, you know, some do really well with it. Some don't do so well. Some take some time to kind of get their head around it. I'm guessing and it's not really fair, but I would imagine with Lindholm, maybe, you know, he's one of those guys that's been kind of, you know, he's a, he's a very solid human being who, who does the right thing on and off the ice. So maybe he's one that, you know, is, is not totally settled in yet with this situation. Just a guess. Yeah. Just, just a nice standard season to be in your first year as a captain. If you're Michael Backlund, Hey, just nice and quiet for you. Nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, you know what, it's it's it it's kind of makes me sad in a way. I mean, it's the business of hockey today, but Calgary's a great place to play. I mean, I love going to Calgary. I love the organization. I love being around the organization. The players are treated extremely well, but, it, you know, it comes down to business, and, and it comes down to offers and term, and I'm not familiar with what's going on behind the scenes, and nor do I want to be. Uh, you know, I think term, though, however, probably has a lot to do with this when you when you look at some of the players. And I do think that the league is going to start shutting down term a little more. I also think that we're going to be in a bit of an economic situation like the world is right now, which might change things a little bit in terms of the way uh, teams hand out contracts. Hey, and let's face it, we got eight teams right now that are capped out. We got nine teams that, uh, you know, are just over $2 million in cap and the rest aren't. So there's not a lot of options for players. Like they think they can go somewhere, but you know, try and find a team that has a room or can work a deal out to do it. And that's why maybe the guys in Winnipeg ended up signing. 
So, you know, it's, it's a bit complicated for the player. It's certainly complicated for the managers uh, based on the cap situation and trying to balance books. So, you know, you, you know, media and all of us like to throw out trades and that, but <laughs> good luck with that. I mean, you, know, you got yeah. to find out how to balance the books, first of all, and then make, make a situation that works where you actually want a player back. So, you know, you talk about Toronto with these players, but they're capped out. Calgary's capped out. You know, Toronto has a couple of nice young players, but not many left because they've been going for it the last couple of years. Uh, they do have a first round, but I mean, how do you make that deal work? I don't know. Like, it's easy to say, you know, and you think Toronto might be, you know, filtering that out a little bit too on Craig, but how do you how do you make that deal where you really want a player? You know, you get the Easton Cowan kid in London. He's got 27 points in 14 games, their first rounder. You know, Nick Robinson, you know, he's had a good go now on the top team, but this kid's been hurt in his whole career. After that, you know, I mean, I'm not the scouts. So I'm sure they've got some other players in mind, but you still got to balance the book somehow. How's that going to happen? Is, I don't is, know. Is, is that good for the league, Greg? Ultimately, like, it can't be, like, the lack of player movement isn't good for the league, but ultimately, does the NHL even care? Because as long as some of these teams are financially stable, does it matter? Yeah, I think cost certainty has always been a big thing you hear when you're talking about negotiations with CBAs so the teams can actually budget exactly what they can do on a, on a regular basis. So, you know, Gary always needed that cost certainty from his owners, uh, so he has it now. And uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, it's good for the owner and probably more teams in the league. I mean, again, that's an economic thing, and I'm not a numbers guy. I'm not right. going to even begin to think of that I am. But, uh, you know, if you go back to the old way, I mean, are we going to lose teams? Or is there going to be such a gap in teams? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But that's it is what it is right now. Right. The answer to your question is <laughs> it is what it is. It's not going away. So, again, players are trying to force the issue. I don't like agents talking about these things in the middle of the season in a team sport in a major market. I didn't like that. I, I thought that was dirty pool. I'll be honest with you, but uh, that's today's world, I guess, you, I, you know, social media and so on, but I, I didn't like it. You know, I'd rather business be done behind closed doors and, and not publicly the way it was yeah, in and, a team sport. And well, we saw the report last week, Greg, and this is kind of why I'm asking you too. It's the Maple Leafs are worth 2.65 billion the Rangers are worth $2.45 billion. The Canadians, $2.27 billion. And they have their hands tied with the salary cap. Even the Arizona Coyotes are worth $675 million. And we're so concerned about a salary cap in the NHL. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but I mean, I, I hear you. They're based, they're based on, on, the, on, not on, the, on the bottom line, though, in cash flow. They're based on if you were going to put them out in the market and some right. other billionaire wanted to have a toy. So, so it's a little bit, it's a little it, bit inflated in terms of value, yeah. uh, versus cash flow. You know, if you're an owner and you're bleeding like crazy in Arizona, you can't be happy. Uh, right. so, so, you know, I think you got to be a little careful on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, sports franchises continue to go up in all sports based on uh, you know the the revenues are going up, obviously. And uh, but I I wonder in this economic environment you know, where they're going to end up uh, mm. in some re- I mean, you look at the Winnipeg situation at the moment where the crowds are down, everybody's saying, 
you know, why are they down? Well, I'll tell you why they're down because, you know, Winnipeg's uh, people can't afford to go to the game. It's simple. <laughs> right. And uh, it, it's tough. There's not enough corporate money there to, uh, to help it out. And uh, so I feel for teams like that. I played on them. I get it a long time ago, but you know, there were similar situations that could always circle back. Greg Millen, NHL on Sportsnet, former NHL goaltender. Uh, Greg, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. Yeah, thanks very much, guys, and uh, look forward to uh, tonight's game. Should be fun. Should, Should be, be fun. fun. Get sorted out for the weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg. There he is on the Atlas Beach okay. and Sports Appreciate Board. Appreciate it. Guest hotline. He mentions the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they're valued at $925 million. Uh, they're up 15% from last year, their franchise value. Yep. Like a lot of these teams are worth a lot of money. And by the, the way, the NHL is going to be that hot commodity product, kind of like I don't know if it's going to hit the whole edge in the states where like, well, like well, what Netflix did for F one and how like those niche sports became super popular. The NHL kind of has that in some as some of those American markets where like, yo, this is really cool, this is fun, and they don't really realize the economics and the the background and the mess and the noise that this league has, but it does feel like the NHL has that right. little bit of a cachet in them there at the end, right. like in some of those Sun Belt markets, but. Yeah, man. Like the whole cap, it, it is a mess. Like the the Leafs are worth two point six five billion. If they went to sale, oh. they would get more than two point six five billion by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Probably four, five, four. five yeah. four or five, yeah. But salary caps. There has to be some sort of luxury tax thing, but that's never gonna happen under Gary's watch. I'm a I'm a big disagree here. You I, like uh, the super hard cap and no, the player movement? No, and this is this is why I was shaking my head when you asked that question. The cap was supposed to go up. Player salaries were yep. signed because the cap was supposed to go up. They were all projected to go up, and we went through four years where it went up, what, a grand total of two mil? Yeah. yeah. That's why COVID. there's no player movement right now. It's not because the salary cap is existing. It's because the salary cap has not gone up because of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's why there's no player movement right now. Talk to me in three years, four years after the cap goes up four, five, six million dollars right. and contracts that were signed before the pandemic are no longer even being played on. Talk to me then yeah, like about no player movement I, I, and I'll I, listen to you. But I, 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 I hope right, right now it's ridiculous. There's no player movement because everyone signed contracts that were expected for $90 million salary cap at this point, And we're still at 82. That's an $8 million diff. That's a whole player. That's a mm-hmm. superstar player. Yeah. That's why there's no movement right now. It's uh, it's definitely frustrating because you see a league like the NBA making blockbuster trades in season. Yeah, but what's Again, the difference between the top paid player and the bottom paid player in the NBA? Well, it's a lot different on a in roster. The NBA. Again, like it's a superstar driven league. Just as much money as Connor McDavid, and I get it. Yeah, you have but five guys that play thirty five minutes a night out of yeah. forty two. It's a different sport. And it's a smaller what, roster. Whatever. There's it is. more revenue. I get all of that, and I understand all of that when it comes to the NHL. It's just frustrating if you're a fan of the game because you want to see more player movement. Yeah, it can be frustrating, but I think you also have to have a realistic understanding of this and see why it's not happening. It's pretty obvious to me. But Even but the it, NBA hasn't seen the right. player movement we're used to over the last couple of years. No, guys I, are signing up more okay, long-term. No, I, I get what you're saying, and I understand that, but it's not like the NHL is losing money. They're not. They're making money. They're just not hitting their projections. You can tell me all day about the salary cap r- uh, rising and it okay. didn't rise. Well, you wanna... But the league is still making money. It's making money hand over fist. We're talking in the bu- now billions. Now you're talking about just how corporations operate. People are going hungry across the world and Loblaws is throwing up a 15% increase in their money. I this is it. just how corporations work. This I is am... capitalism, baby. I understand. Welcome to 2023. I understand. I totally it's understand. not how it works. The people at the top get paid and us little people just fight for the scraps on the bottom. But again, 
luxury tax system could help a lot of the bottom feeder teams in the NHL too. Like uh, an Arizona, a Winnipeg. Does the NHL Maju, want Maju, that? one of the richest men in the how, world how owns the Winnipeg. The Jets. richest Canadian owns yeah. the yeah. The Winnipeg but so Jets. it's like let's yeah. dial it back a little bit. Uh, how is the a luxury tax help the Arizona? Because if teams go over the luxury tax, they pay it just like in baseball. They pay the lower market teams money because they're spending more money on player salaries. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the Coyotes are going to be any better. It means no, it that financially they, that they're going to have more money. And once again, it just goes back to yeah. put money and all. And, and this is another problem is the fact that all these teams are being bought by corporations rather than independent owners, which is just going to mean as we get further and further down the road, teams aren't going to be caring about winning because corporations don't care about a title. Care about bottom line. That's it. Well, again, sports um, is getting lame, bro. Um, <laughs> Daryl Cates cares about winning in Edmonton. Mm. He's got a lot of cake, bought the team. Mm. Um, the Leafs are owned by a corporation. The Habs are owned by a dude. The Molsons own the, the Habs. They want to win. Um, the Rangers make a ton of money. James Dolan is an interesting character. Owning him is just, you look at some of these franchise values. Even the Flames are worth $1.14 billion, up 31%. Not bad, and they and they have that rank. Yeah, and wait till they and wait till they move into a nice rank. How much is the team going to be worth? But again, the Flames spend up to the salary cap, being in a Canadian market, being mm-hmm. in one of the smaller markets in the NHL. But it's frustrating because uh, player movement is just good for hockey in general. It is. It just is. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. At the same time, like the Flames are going to trade these guys. There is going to be player movement. Typically don't see player movement at this time and, of the season. And it's going to be interesting how much um, the Flames take back with some of these guys to facilitate more moves. Mm-hmm. Like how much money are they willing to eat on a Hannafin? How much money are they willing to eat on a Tan? I, I think the Flames should eat half on every deal. If they, if they can get a better value, I would. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's not like who they're going to have guys in the roster who this are making a conversation ton of we were just having. You're making a ton of money. Pay or, the guys. Who cares? Or if they if there's some uh, some delicious meat and cheeses out there that they want to acquire, maybe they got to take some bad money back and eat that for a couple seasons. That could be a possibility too, if they get what they want, pick wise or prospect wise. Because mm. apparently, uh, if you listen to Pat Show, he says that uh, the Flames are in on they want high end prospects. So if you potentially grab a high end prospect, you might have to take back some bad money if you're the Flames. And if you're in a retool slash rebuild, that might be something you might have to do to facilitate a trade mm. and get the prospect you actually want in the team. So we potentially could see that here too. It's not like the Flames, they shouldn't need Nazem Kadri for the next six years at $3.5 million of dead cap money. They shouldn't eat Jonathan Huberto for the next, from now to eternity, bought north of $5 million in dead cap money, even though the salary cap eventually, we think, will go up. But that might be something the Flames do at the deadline. Here's eat, take a bad contract back. I don't think that's something we don't talk enough about here. And that might be something that Conroy and the Flames will be willing to do if they get that pick or prospect that they really covet. And I, I think it really comes down to what does everything mean as far as, like, I think that a lot of these deals, it's going to be, okay, how can we maximize our, our haul overall? Not just one trade, not mm-hmm. just two trades, right? And yeah, you're going to have to take back some sort of money here. Um, ideally, it has minimal term on it. But if even if you're trading out a player like a Lindholm at $2.5 million or slightly less, whatever he comes in at, some team's going to have to move that out somewhere, somehow. Yeah. And whether that's 
you know, bringing back a an AJ Greer type of player and it's only a million dollars that you need to clear or it's something different. Like the other thing too that makes it hard to trade players like this now is that teams haven't accrued the daily cap space. If you're not on LTIR every day that you're right. under the cap, that money stacks and you can use it at the trade deadline and, and use that to acquire players then. If you've got anybody on LTIR, you don't accumulate daily cap space. But as we get closer and closer to the deadline, teams are going to have a little bit more available to actually go out and make said trades. So it's just so early on in the season right now. Everyone's trying to figure out who's good on their team, who's bad on their team, who's part of the solution, who can we work with, who do we need maybe just a little bit of a, a help to get a certain player going. Everybody's making these questions right now. We're getting up to that American Thanksgiving. It's going to be probably like after the holidays, I would assume that things really start to heat up. Unless, of course, you know, Leafs get back from Sweden and all of a sudden there's a Flames-Leafs trade that happens just because it hasn't happened because they're in Sweden right now. Right. But that would kind of be all that I'm really expecting before the holidays. And yeah. And I, that's kind of standard. And we got a text. You can only retain three salaries, uh, take back out three times, three contracts at a yeah, time. Yeah. That's according to the CBA. Uh, which is fine. Yeah, if if I would be very surprised if the Flames but the and Leafs other got together too, in a trade very soon. You would be surprised? I would be surprised by that. Yeah, I would be. I, I, I would be very surprised if Nikita Zadorov's a Maple Leaf in the next couple weeks. I would be. If you're if you're the Flames, why would you limit yourself no, exactly. to going somewhere where he potentially wants to go? When, sent, when when at the deadline, you have a lot more suitors for a lot of these well, guys. Well, maybe you like what they're offering. Well, that too. Like Nick, Abruz- Nick, Nick Abruzese, who's a, a Leafs prospect, was the centerman for Matt Coronado. In maybe his Matthew Nyes Harvard. is a guy that you're well, interested well, in. Well, you're not getting Matthew Nyes for Nikita Zadorov plus. So well, what if you throw Tanev in the mix? I still don't think uh, they're getting Matthew Nyes. He's yeah. playing meaningful top six minutes for them right now. What are they going to do? Bump up Max Domi? You might have a better chance getting Easton Cowan. Who? Easton Cowan. Who? Exactly. He's a, he's, a, he's lighting up their... Uh... He almost made the team out of camp. No, that's Fraser Minton. Here. Oh, sorry. Fraser Minton did make the team out yeah, of no. camp. Uh, but Easton Cowan was their first rounder last year. Had yeah. Everybody had no idea who the he hell it was. Pre-season. And he's having a killer OHL start yeah, to this he year. He had a good preseason, Easton Cowan. Yeah. For the Leafs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it'd be interesting. But like Sam Bennett, when he requested a trade, was it twenty five games before the Flames made a move on him? But again, if if you're Conroy, what's the hurry? There's exactly. no hurry here. Like clearly, like the Hannifin thing's been pulled back. They're they're the 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 contract for Noah Hannifin's gone. They're not going to be, you know, that was around sixty million reportedly. They're going to trade the guy. That that's what's going to happen here. Why would you hurry to trade Zadorov, Tanev, Hannifin? Lindholm seems like that's. That's a fait accompli here that he's going to be out the door. Like the, we're, are we hearing anything about a Lindholm extension? That was something we talked about on the show. Well, the Eric Francis table, refer- they, they stopped all the right. I would, talk. I would trade him. Yeah, no, but point. Uh, again, I was a big proponent all off season, for but keeping what, him, but I also thought him I mean, and Huberto would have some sort of chemistry. And I just think like you sign them both up for like 19 mil to do what we've been watching for 80, 80 games. Like my goodness, I think we've seen enough, to but throw pucks in each other's feet. And, and I get it. And I, and, and I totally get what um, Lindholm does. He, he plays very well the other side of the rink and I get that, but that's not $9 million worth being a great two way center. <sighs> yeah, but you got to pay. But He can be an offensive player when he plays with exceptional offensive players. Has he really done it without playing with exceptional offensive players? I guess. But look at the guys that are getting $9 million. He's right in that He's right in that neighborhood. It, because of the position, too. He's a centerman, obviously. Like, yes. Jeff Skinner makes $9 million. He's one Buffalo. of, like, a dozen players in the NHL. 
who plays a two-way center game. Who plays number one power play, number one PK, yep. and top line, can play with skill guys, can play with anybody on your lineup. Num- and, like, and that's great, but do you want him at $9 million in Calgary here for the next eight years? No, not at this point. Not if everyone else is leaving. That's what yeah. I just said. Yeah. But at the same time, he's a $9 million player, and I'm. that's what he is. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting where he ends up because uh, that's something that's kind of flying under the radar here with all this Adoroff and uh, Hannafin and Tanev well, conversations. Yeah, that that's going to be that's going to hit us in the face real soon. And is there a team like the Boston Bruins who potentially will pony up? I don't even know what they have in their system because it seems pretty lean too. With the amount of trades, yeah, and they, deals they're they're made. on the team right now. Yeah, like like win now team <laughs> that the Boston Bruins have been the last couple seasons. What potentially could they offer? The Calgary Flames. Who else needs Elias Lindholm at center to potentially be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? It's going to be interesting times here. Or the Flames get red hot here and potentially play themselves back into a playoff spot. That could happen too. Have they been playing better lately? Are you giving me that look? Have they been playing better lately? Yes. Could they play themselves back into a playoff spot? Maybe. The way Markstrom's playing? Why not? If Jigger Markstrom can drag this team back into relevance... Who knows what the trade deadline looks for the Calgary Flames? That's true. We're far ways away from it. Yeah, but like the way this guy's playing, he's there been their best player, stole that game in Montreal. He potentially could steal a lot more games for the Calgary Flames, potentially maybe starting tonight against the Canucks. Well, yeah, you get Zari at a point-per-game pace. Like, kids That's what I mean. All right. Guys are cooking. Or somebody calls about uh, Jacob Markstrom here, too, potentially. Who knows? A lot of teams need goaltending. And he's been really good. And he has, what, two years left at $6 million? Which isn't crazy. It isn't large. Might be three. But two or three. Two more after Better this. than four at five for Jack Campbell. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, NFL Big Bets uh, straight ahead. Olivier uh, Rodrigue was really good yesterday. <laughs> I don't know how much Jack Campbell's going to play down there. No, yeah. Like, Rodrigue, I thought, was going to get called up over Pickard. No. Oh, boy. But. Here we All right. Are. NFL Big Bets next. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sports Night 960, the fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, it's that part of the week uh, where Maddie shares his uh, hot picks. Oh, so hot. Uh, oh, Maddie so on the hot. year. Uh, Careful with those hot picks. 38, oh, 20, and smoking. 2. Patrick, 30, 27, and 3. And I'm 28, uh, 30, and Sorry. 2. It is our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. GVP fired up. Show me the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Gambling? Who's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. It's always this uh, montage music uh, right now. All right, let's dive into it. It's a juicy, tasty, delicious, scrumptious, moist I wish we had Thursday the, nighter. I wish we had this bed the entire time. Mmm, scrumptious and moist. I do have the full bed. Let's do. Let's do very that. moist. Let's do the full bed. Okay, okay. All right. Well, yeah. Oh, well, bo- uh, bed through the whole segment? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right. Yeah, uh, let's do push. it. <laughs> that uh, dive bomb. <laughs> Maddie's uh, Bengals of Cincinnati on the road in Hooday! Charm City to play the Ravens. Baltimore minus three and a half point favorites. The total, 46 and a half. It's going to be a little bit of a theme on my picks today. We'll see how long it takes for you to get it. But I am going to go with the Bengals today. Three and a half? Getting the hook there, too? Are you kidding me? Okay. I'll take it all day. All right. Patrick? Oh, it's a primetime spot. There's injuries. I'm going to take the under. I think there's going to be a little bit of a defensive fight in this one. 
Uh, it'd be a good game, though. I'll take the under, though, uh, in the Ravens and Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to listen to Ross Tucker, and he said this is a big win, this big game for the Bengals. You lose this, you go 5-5. Five big and five, AFC North swing game. The playoffs, uh, your playoff AFC picture. North going to be decided this week. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the Bengals getting three and a half. I think that half point. I think that half point. <laughs> Come on, no, is, no fist bump uh, me there. Big. No, it's a big no one. We're ride or die together. Who day? A uh, big gigantic stripes. Come on, let's go. Um, I'm gonna have a lot of props on this game though. All right, um, Las Vegas Raiders on the road in South Beach to play the Miami Dolphins. Miami, a big 13 point favorite. The total 46 and a half. It looks like a chance back. Yeah, for uh, the Dolphins and uh, even uh, our man Mike McDaniel saying uh, when the reporter asked him was how much money he got in fantasy. He was calling him out right away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Gosh, I love not Mike McDaniel not being so much. Snarky, just being you know a legit question, a legit just, response. He also He's looks just... like a skeleton. <laughs> okay, or as I said, he also looks like the movie poster for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's the a one bucket that, hat. Yeah. yeah, he's got just the cigarette. That's one of my uh, best takes ever. <laughs> It's always uh, an interesting look, hey, when you have this cigarette and it's literally dangling off the yeah. lip. It bounces when you talk. Like that the, one? And the, it's it not between sticks, the teeth. It's stuck to the yeah, lip. Yeah, it kind of sticks. You yeah. can open his mouth and it stays there. Yeah. His lips like, are dry That one and um, who looks like a cobra again? Um, Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks. Dylan yeah. Brooks looks like a cobra. <laughs> yeah. He does. <laughs> All right, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, this one, strain from my theme for the week. But I'm going to Old Faithful. I'm taking the under. This is too many points for a Raiders game. Are you joking? Mm. Dolphins could probably put up 46 by themselves. But that being said, I am going to take the under on this one. Okay. Um, Patrick. Yeah, it's too big of a spread. I think the Raiders can cover that 13 of the points. Uh, yeah, I like I like the Raiders' defense. Robert Spillane, Max Crosby. It's a fun Max group. Max Crosby's so good. He's like, I think, so fun. And I think the Dolphins' defense is a little bit disappointing. I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a little time running on him. So I think they're going to keep it close, but not maybe not keep so close, but yeah. not so much at 13 points. Closer than the experts think. Yeah, I'm with you. 13 points is a lot in an NFL game, and the Raiders aren't that bad. No. I'm going to take them plus 13 points. Not since points. Pierce got there. When you spell Max with two X's, oh, yeah. like when you make that decision as a parent... What job do you think your child is going to have when you well, make that decision in the delivery stunt room? Stuntman or football player? Well, it's like when you I name was your say Carney. It's like Max. when you name. It's like when you name your son Jeeves. You've pretty much named his entire yeah, he, career. Yeah, he's going to be a butler. The reason why he has the extra X because he's a gigantic baby. So his mother added the extra X because he was so big. I'm going to confirm he, that he's also a gigantic human. Yeah, so he that is. would that would check out. He's yeah. a gigantic human. All right, uh, game number three: the Los Angeles Chargers. Going to Frosty Lambeau. I have no idea if it's going to be cold. Uh, to play the Packers. <laughs> Probably. Chargers minus three-point favorites. Total 43 and a half, Matty. Eight I degrees. Like, I like a home okay. dog here. All right. I'm going to take the pack plus the points. Mm. I just have no faith in what the Chargers can do. So I think on the road in a chilly Lambeau, I'm going to take the underdog. Okay. Patrick? Uh, Packers have played five of their last six games to the under. I'm going to keep going that. I'm going to say the under for this Packers-Chargers game. I think this number is a little light on the total. Okay. I think you can score on the Chargers. You can throw in the Chargers all day. The uh, The Chargers do have an explosive offense. Keenan Allen's been absolutely incredible this season. Kind of flying under the radar in Los Angeles. I'm going to take the over 43.5 points between the Chargers and the Packers. It's our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Kyler Murray. Going back to Houston, state of Texas, 
Cardinals at the Texans. Houston minus five point favorites. The total 48 and a half. I'm thinking the Cardinals can keep this one close. I really liked what I saw out of Kyler Murray. I know he's got another week of Call of Duty under his belt. And okay. hopefully he stayed really focused, but probably not. But I still like the plus five here. CJ Stroud has had a couple of really good weeks. For a rookie, you typically get a letdown week at some point. And at five points, I like that spread. I'm going to take Arizona plus the five. Patrick? Yeah, Kyler Murray just added an ex- another element to this Arizona Cardinals team who wasn't all that bad even without him, really. Yeah, they were one and eight heading in, but I think this is a, a spot here for Arizona that Kyler Murray is really trying to take back this job, that he really missed football, that he really took a lot of that stuff that the media was talking about him to heart. Kyler Murray is going to play that. I think Cardinals upset the Texans. Ooh, he's calling en- it. Yeah. In wow. energy. You're All calling, right. You're calling the money All line. Right. Money line. Oh. <laughs> Again, I, th- I think that's going to be an explosive game with a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the over 48 and a half. All right. Uh, Seahawks on the road. There'll be a lot of Seahawks fans in Los Angeles to score off oh, against yeah. the Rams at SoFi. Seattle. Minus one point favorites, Maddie. The total 46 and a half. Yeah, I'm taking another dog here at home. Rams plus one. Just feels like in these divisional games, sometimes you get down into some kind of letdowny positions. Uh, as much as the Seahawks have been solid this season, not great. I'm going to take the Rams plus one here. Okay, Patrick. Uh, I think the Seahawks, this is going to be a get right week for them as well. Uh, they looked all right last week. Washington hung around there. Obviously, that thing game looked like it was going to overtime, but great drive there from Geno Smith hitting up uh, DK Metcalf, and then uh, Jason Myers kicking home the game winner. Give me the Seahawks down at Dole SoFi. Oh, I hate this game. I'm going to take the Seahawks minus one because Matthew Stafford's health is kind of questionable right now. Mm-hmm. He isn't healthy right now. Son Carson take, Wentz to back him up. Oh boy, great, I will take great uh, news. Yeah, that really the settles the nerves. It's better than Brett Rippin. That's all, okay. Um, fair point. <laughs> if Ginger Jesus gets in for the uh, Rams, they got issues in this game. Oh, yeah, I will take uh, the Seahawks <laughs> minus one. All right, the Sunday nighter. Maybe not the sexiest game on the card, but, but better the, than what we were thinking about weeks ago. Yeah, a few you're weeks right. Back. You're right. The Minnesota Vikings, the red hot Minnesota Vikings, skull on the road to face <laughs> the Denver Broncos. Denver minus skull. two. Uh, Denver minus two and a half point favorites. The total 42 and a half. I'm taking another dog here. Vikings plus two and a half. I love it. I got five dogs on the card this week, and I think it's going to be a good week for them. Pastronaut, I'm all over it. Eventually a letdown game coming for the Broncos here as well. Listen, you don't need need my reasoning. You just need to trail the picks. Vikings plus two and a half. Wow. Listen to that confidence. (laughs) 18 games over 500. Uh, Patrick? I think it's going to be a little points in this one. I think it's going to go over. The 42 and a half is a little light for me. Uh, I like the Vikings game right now with uh, with Josh Dobbs, the pass or not. Still, oh, we'll see. Uh, still bits away from Justin Jefferson coming back. But uh, no Alex Madison as well in the run game. Going to go with mm. Ty Chandler. Uh, Denver's the worst team at stopping the run in this in, in the league. So uh, watch that. But I think uh, this one's going to be some points. Go over the 42 and a half. You know, I think it's going to be tick, tick, tick goes the clock. I'm going to go under. The 42 okay, and a half. Okay. Uh, the, the Broncos really wanted the Bills to win that game on Monday night. Yeah. They essentially handed it to them on a silver platter. Buffalo's like, no, thank you, sir. We're going to have 12 men on the field and uh, <laughs> throw a flag so you can kick the winning field goal. I think this is going to be uh, a very low scoring Sunday night affair. I'm going to take the under 42 and a half. There you go. Our NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Prove your sports IQ and claim the title with Sports Select Pools. Make your picks at sportselect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. What you got coming up in Mucho Big Show? I can't do anything. Well, you, well, well we got replay. Yeah. yeah what we are we replaying? 
What are you playing, GVP? Probably Ross and Luke. Okay, there we go. All right. Uh, We'll play Flames Hot Seat for the first time tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Brent Cron, the chronolist, will be in studio. And uh, we'll bring in some milk. One percent for our, no. Oh. I'm going to bring in the three percent. Damn it! Because oh, GVP was raised on the dairy. Ooh. Vomiting. Three's yeah. good. No. Three. Three's, Three's good. Three's a good number. Very thick. How about four percent GVP? I drink two and three every day. Two. You drink three percent milk? Sure do. Look at the guy. Oh, sure do. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, I try and br- try and break those bones. I dare yeah, you. No kidding. He's a very handsome the calcium gentleman. king over here. Titanium. All right. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Check those out. Now we'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the Flames and Canucks. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.